One thing that I've realized is that words have power. You see, any person that you meet who is on a mission, any person who is building, establishing, anybody who's growing or learning, they've had some words that either built them up or words that tore them down. And it's the things that we go through in life that become seeds that get planted deep within us. One of the things that I'm always doing in my work is trying to examine the seeds of hate, the seeds of love, the seeds of heartbreak that people have had that seem to be rising up inside of them, growing and developing inside of them. And anytime I get a chance to speak to a person who is a master of words, a person who has learned the inside and outside of the way that words make you feel and that words speak to a thing and then even leave some things unspoken, it's always something I look forward to. And so today for Hope Rising, I think that this is going to be an episode that is going to speak to a place inside of you you probably really need. You see, anytime you talk to an artist, he's always going to give you a different type of understanding of what hope really is because he sees life through a different lens, through a different focus, through different colors and different shades. And so as I bring in on this next man, he has he has risen up the charts um, as a spoken word artist. He has not only made the, uh, the, the music and the creation, but he has also orchestrated and curated other events so that other people would have a voice and would have a way to share stages and to change lives and, and shape moods and transition atmospheres. And so... This is going to be something that hopefully in the end will change your mood and shift your atmosphere. So at this moment, I want to bring on Orlando Watson. Now, when you start to talk to this man, I wanted to talk as much as possible before I even let him speak because his, his, his voice is disrespectful. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and say something. Say what you want to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make me feel bad. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, bro. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. I, I will say I've spent years crafting myself as a MC, an event MC, a master of ceremonies. Yeah. And I want to say, I tip my hat to you. That was a beautiful introduction. Mm, that was actually, a, uh, I know some of you guys are only listening. He was flexing because he got a good hat on too. Like this man knows who he is. And <laughs> He says this old thing, but he took a minute and made sure he had the right outfit on. Like he did it right. He did it right. Y'all deserve it. Y'all deserve it. <laughs> so Orlando, before before we get into your story, before we get into um to really understanding what made you you, could you just let everybody know a little bit about how you describe yourself? Like up uh, that your accomplishments, how you got to this point, who you are. You know. I'm honestly, I'm working on that, man. If I could be 100% honest and transparent, mm. I'm working on learning how to uh, describe myself. Yeah. I mean, go with like the multi, multi talented, multi hyphenated, you know, that whole situation. But I was in a therapy session. <laughs> My therapist was like, you know, you don't have to define yourself by what you do. Come on. You're, you're much more than what you do. That's not who you are. Mm. And she's like, has anybody ever told you that? I was like, no, I broke down crying. I was like, <laughs> that's real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But my my whole life um, has been, uh, I've pivoted my whole life around art. Mm -hmm. 
um, words and people know me um, as a spoken word artist, a poet, lyricist, and um, event MC, uh, moderator, curator, um, husband, father. Mm-hmm. But like, those are job titles. And, uh, but that's not who I am at the essence or at the core. So I'm, I'm sorry if that's like a beat around the bush roundabout answer, but I'm I'm working on that. On the surface level, I'm a poet, spoken word artist, uh, writer, songwriter, um, producer, um, event producer. I, I curate festivals and um, events and concerts. Um, I, uh, quite a few things. I have my hands in quite a few things, man, trying yeah. to trying to make it happen for the family and, you know, um, do something different. So, yeah. Mm, I love that. I love that. And you, you answered it the way that I wish everybody would answer it actually. Right. And, and all that I mean by that is that we live in a culture and in a society where people only know themselves by what they do. And if anything in life changes what they do, they no longer know their self. Right. Right. And I, I feel like the, the the audience who listens to Hope Rising um, is, is at least intended to be individuals who, man, they've had some success. They've done some things. They've 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 climbed some ladders, made some they've they've made waves. But one of the things that we all learn in the journey is that I'm way more than what I do. Right. And so, you know, I, I like to think about, you know, from the scriptural standpoint, when they're like, hey, who should we say sent us? And, and God just says, I am that I am. So at the end of the day, if I was created in the image of God, I just am. I'm Maurice, you're Orlando. That's it. And so I want to stay there. I want to stay in that vein because there's a lot of there's a lot of men who in their journeys, they've never had that conversation that you had with your therapist. She tells you that who you are is something deeper than what you do. What did that knowledge do for you? What did that open up for you? What are you learning about yourself in this part of your journey? That's a great question. Um, I think I'm still in progress, in process, um, trying to learn, trying to um, unpack, discover, rediscover, redefine who I am, where I want to go, what I um, I recently relocated to Pittsburgh. I'm from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful transition and a very tough transition. Mm. Very tough transition. Um, I took on a role as the senior director of programming at the August Wilson African American Cultural Center. And it's a great job, dream job, to be quite, quite honest with you. And that in and of itself is a lot of responsibility um festivals and events year-round and things like that we i program probably a hundred or more different events um, at our center um but that coupled with who i am as an artist the artist seat had to take a back seat a back seat yeah 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 it's, it's a lot going on um from but i love what i do on both aspects so but that was very hard for me to not be recording every day to not be writing every single day. Cause it was a time in my life where like a day didn't go by where I didn't write a part, but now a few days go by <laughs> it's uncomfortable for me and I'm getting adjusted, but I don't ever want to leave that component of myself behind because essentially that's what got me the job. Honestly, um, we can go into that story a little later if you like how I got this job, but my, my boss saw me performing poetry. So 
poetry, words in and of themselves have opened up countless doors for me um, in the past 10, 12 years. So, yeah. Mm, that's that's so huge. And so <clears throat> somebody somebody needed to hear that because this is this is what happens in life. So let's let's be clear, okay? If you guys go to Orlando's IG and we'll make sure we list it, you know, you go to his IG, you're gonna see him with celebrities. <laughs> okay. And so we always see the highlights. We never hear the story of the lowlights, the rough parts of the road, um, the 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 challenges that you have. And I know that I, I personally identify with that story much more than you know. I was a professional musician and I was, you know, getting a chance to make music with Grammy winners and co-writing with, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. And, and I've got all these highlights, but my life had a pivot. <laughs> and there was a point where I was like, right, you can hear... Did you, do, you, do you hear the babies in the background, the babies, right? You, you know, we, we have these points in life where it's like, okay, who I was is not who I am. And if I'm going to become everything I'm being called to be, I have to be willing to let some things die. I have to give birth to some new things. And I have to figure out where there's a combination where both live at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's real. Sure. And you so, know, you, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, that I, I want to pick up right there. We could bookmark that because about that, that connection point, I remember listening to um, I didn't know if it was a sermon or just a conversation with T.D. Jakes, who just happens to be my goat. I, I love oh, oh, our goat. Oh, oh that's our, our goat? Okay. Our goat. Our goat. Let's be very clear. T.D. don't miss me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget. Um, I probably heard this in 2014, 2015. And he said, people ask me all the time, how do you do X, Y, and Z? You do movies. You pastor a mega church. You, you hear, you there, you write books. And they were like, how do you do it? And he was like, um, two things. He was like, first of all, um, the the common denominator, the the through line, is that it's all communication. He's like, I'm doing the same thing to y'all. It looks like I'm doing a million things, but to me, it's is one thing is communication. Mm -hmm. And he also talked about anointing, you know, and just like how when a person is called to a thing, people who are watching that person who was called to that particular thing um, see, like you said, the highlights. <laughs> know what that person went through to to get to where they they are and to have that impact and effect on people so he was like don't always wish for people's life and wish for that anointing because it's a thing that comes with you know each individual and respective situation and anointing so that always stuck with me but, yeah absolutely but, so yeah. so tell us this then <laughs> what what has it cost you to get here to 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 have been uh, high up on the on the on the on the charts, you know, in the music world, to have curated. I, I'm seeing pictures with you and Malcolm Jamal Warner. I'm seeing like all this crazy stuff, but it's clearly cost you something because one thing I know when a person talks about an anointing, for for those of you who don't know what an anointing is, it, it's something in scripture that is often talked about where a person they they have a a gifting where it's like God's hand is on them and it is clear that everything that they touch it's special for a reason because God said. But one thing you always know is if a person has an anointing, they've been crushed. They have they have been through some pressure. They have been through some pain and some hurt and some scars and some wounds that makes the anointing flow the right way. So what has what has it cost you 
to become who you are. And you can go as far back as you want to in your journey. But what what makes Orlando Watson Orlando Watson? Mm. Mm, Maurice, my brother, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, several things, man. Uh, if we go on back, back, I, I would have to start by by acknowledging my parents um did ex- i feel like they did an excellent job with me with what they had um plenty of sacrifices uh, however i come from what a lot of people call a broken home my parents split when i was four that um that rattled me for several years um, it, it caused some friction and fracturing between um me and my dad for several years just i didn't have an understanding um as a young man the things that grown men um face go through and are responsible for when providing for a home now mm. with a wife and two kids me and my dad have an entirely different relationship a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> you know um but yeah, that was tough for me you know coming up through the ranks as a, as a young man to my father um he was a construction worker for several years, 30 some odd years. He moved to Vegas um, during very pivotal, very pivotal time in my life. Um, I think it was eighth and ninth grade That's when I started really uh, paying attention to and um, receiving attention from young women. Not having a father, um, he was always present, but physically present in the same city, in the same state, in the same house that changed some things for me as well um but you know we talked about all these things we moved past it um my mom has sacrificed countless <laughs> um countless you know things for me emotionally um financially and um i think like fast forwarding my wife has you asked me what i've lost my wife has lost a lot mm. being with Mm. Um, and that that might be that be might be a part two mm. as a special guest. <laughs> you know, the, the, I think the 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 partners, the the spouses that that we tie ourselves to, um, like the Sarita Jenks, the the women or the men who stand behind the person who um, is public facing, the public figure, mm-hmm. they go through a lot. They mm. go through a lot. You know, um, there have been things that I've missed. Um, engagements that I've missed with with family with friends because what work calls for what my my job and occupation calls for so I'm not the only one who's lost I'm mm-hmm. you know to say that but as far as things that have broken me that have gotten me here um like I said I have a dream job now mm-hmm. but at one point the last time I calculated um where all I've worked I think it was in 2015 or 2016 and at that point coming through college and everything, I think I had got to 23 or 24 jobs. Now, Guitar Center, AT&T, Applebee's, Chipotle. Um, Shout them out. Innies. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't be shouting them out because they're not paying me no more. <laughs> you know, paid advertisement. But I've, I've done everything from janitorial work to mm. sales, um, retail. And I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm always about providing for myself and those around um i've been with my now wife since i was 18. she was uh, wow. about 
about 21. I was 18. We we met my my first semester in college, and uh, we've been rocking ever since. And um, we used to split um, meals at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. We used to split stuff at Denny's. It's just come on. We've been, we've been super broke. So much to the point. The thing that probably broke us and that had us on razor's edge uh, was mm-hmm. circa 2015. Um, mm-hmm. I had my first salary job. I thought I was making a grip. You couldn't tell me. <laughs> I wasn't red. Right. I was making thirty five thousand dollars a year. <laughs> thirty eight thousand dollars a year. Like, man, we got my first salary job. Like you know, and had benefits and everything. And lo and behold, a new president came in to the the college, completely wiped my department. So I lost my job. I couldn't keep up on rent, so we had to break the lease, move lost my car. We moved to Columbus to stay with a friend, couch surfing. Um, then we moved back to Cleveland and we lived in my mom's attic with my dog for about two and a half years. Mm. So um, I've been really low, man, been really low. So when I'm, when I consider and I reflect back upon where I been to where I am now, which I'm not, it ain't nothing crazy, but I'm in a much better position uh, mentally, physically, literally, physically, <laughs> um, financially than I was not even 10 years ago. Mm. Years ago. So when I think about the trajectory, I, I just give all, all praise and all honor to God, one and only Jehovah, man, because it's like, I know people who it didn't work out for. I know people who didn't stick to their guns and stick craft and really put the time and the work in and uh, i'm fortunate to have a very very supportive wife and a very loving and supportive family who show up to all my shows no matter how, who, who i'm opening for <laughs> <laughs> the, the watson clan will will be there in droves <laughs> amazing amazing all right we had a little technical issue so i'm jumping back in so you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me is 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 when you talked about how for your wife it was also a struggle there is so much uh maturity in that statement and 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 here's what i'll say i know a lot of men um who you know they're, they're working a lot they're missing important moments and then the wife starts complaining starts getting frustrated and sometimes we see our side of it, right? We see the necessity of putting in the time, putting in the grind, taking care of things, but we fail to be able to understand the sacrifices she's making too, right? And and so one of the things that I think it's important, again, we were talking about that anointing thing, is that anytime you're good at something, it's going to cost you something. And one of the worst things we can do is to fail to understand what it also costs the people around us. Yeah. So one of the questions that I would have then, and you can maybe speak to this a little bit, you sound like a family man who not only has has learned how to perfect your craft in every different area that you've had, but you're also learning something about the real meaning of, here's the word, success. Mm-hmm. So if I asked you to define what success looks like for you now versus maybe when you're 22, 23, you know, trying to grind, trying to go get it, trying to make a name for yourself, what have you learned about success? What I've learned about success is the beauty of balance. Mm. Beauty of balance, which I haven't quite mastered yet. Mm-hmm. yet. I'll let you know when I get it. 
<laughs> Beauty of balance. I'm a very um laser focused lock lock jaw yes, kind of person. Yes, sir. And um, like I said, that can impact different um relationships, friend groups, and you know, my wife especially and things like that. So um focusing on one creative thing may take away from my focus on her needs emotionally. And you know, it's just at 31, um going on there man i'll be 32 lord jesus I'll you, be you feeling old we need to talk about you need a counseling session feel old. <laughs> i feel 43 <laughs> okay okay you still didn't say old age you want to try again <laughs> hey add 10 11 years to anybody's age they i feel it yeah I feel yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so just just acknowledging those things that like what you do can impact and does impact if you do it well, you know, not only yourself positively or negatively, but, you know, those around you. So I think it's pros and cons to everything. So just the beauty of balance or the art of balance and um, working, but balancing my family. I got to be here for my kids. My my wife needs things as an individual and as a woman, you know, things like that. And a brother be exhausted when I get home, exhausted. But I come home. And uh, I try to I try to chip in when and where I can, whether that be sweeping, mopping, doing the dishes. I, I try, I try. You know, I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm not always consistent, but I'm I'm trying to learn balance. You know, mm. so. what's the value in that? Like, why why are you driven to do that? Like, what what is it that you believe that that fosters within your home? Well, well, to me, that's success because it is one thing to be successful on Facebook, or on Instagram, but your 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 life is falling apart. Your home. And I think, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I think we've seen one too many examples of that Yeah, uh, with, with celebrities and, um, shoot, not celebrities, pastors, mm -hmm. just local leaders, mm -hmm. politicians mm -hmm. in, in, our, in our city yep. um, to where, you know, the, the one image is portrayed, but behind closed doors is, is raggedy, is rough, is ratchet. You know what I'm saying? So what my goal is how i define success is to be balanced in the aspect to where what you see is quite literally what you get you know what i'm saying so i i don't want to um portray something that's not actually happening i don't want to post family portraits on, on instagram but like we weren't talking in the car on the way home after the photo shoot <laughs> <laughs> that, that comes with balance yes that comes with understanding 100%. 100% and self-realization and one thing about me I'll be wrong bro I'll be wrong like I'll be wrong a lot of the times but what I think gives me leverage in uh, maintaining <laughs> uh, and maybe my wife feel different in maintaining uh, my relationship with her and my friends and you so on so forth parents is that I'm always open to correction mm. That's I think that's really it because I have friends who go through things with their wives and on the on the job and things like that. But if you if you can remove that that pride piece and that ego piece, it, it it'll do you a world of joy. Mm. Just open to the fact that like, oh maybe, maybe I did say that wrong. Maybe my perspective is off, maybe my worldview was skewed because I was exposed to X, Y, and Z. That's it. So I'm just, I'm just always open to the fact that like I'm, I might be very wrong. I'm going to say how I feel in this present moment, but please share and let, let's let's go from there. See what what you are talking about right now. This 
literally is why I wanted to start Hope Rising. This these conversations, right? Because when you start asking real questions, so um, you you don't know my story, but part of my journey um, is that I've spent uh, several years. Um, uh, working at uh, facilities, a residential facility, uh, as a chemical dependency counselor. And, mm. and so I've had so many men, so many women who have walked into the doors, um, and, and so many of them are talented. They're doctors, they're lawyers, um, they're preachers, teachers. They're, I mean, they, they, they span the gauntlet. You got millionaires in there, you got famous actors, you got athletes, you got so many different types of people, young and old. And when you ask a person who they are, if you ask a person, are you successful? If you ask a person what they have versus what they need versus what they want, you find that most people have no idea what happiness is. They have no idea who they are, and they've never truly found success, though they found the world's version of success. Mm -hmm. The world's version of success is something that leads you empty. Right. So, so my, my name is plastered all over the bill, but my name is all over the teeth. My name is all over. But when I go home, my wife don't even have no words to call me a name. Or if she's calling me a name, <laughs> it ain't what I'm supposed to say into the microphone. <laughs> right. That is the type of situation people live in. And so one thing that I'm learning in my journey is that God will perfect you in a thing and that very thing he's perfecting you in is what you're supposed to apply to the people he's given you to love on. Mm. So if he makes you a master communicator, you're probably going to do a real bad job of communicating with the people you love and you're going to have to work on it. You see this gift I got of gab when I'm talking right now? That's how hard it is for me to speak to my wife. <laughs> right? It's equal because that's the cost of the anointing. If you're super organized in everything you do in life, you're probably going to have organizational issues inside of your household and your family. There's always something. A parallel. Right. A contrasting parallel. Right. And the key is some people, what they do is they look to the family situation or they look to the work situation or the business they're running or whatever it is, and they curse it. And they say, this is the thing that's ruined and everything else is great and screw this thing. And the actual key is to embrace the thing that you're struggling in because that's really the key to your purpose is the, the area of struggle. <laughs> that's real. Right? That's real. So that's real. as you've gone through this, and we got to really get into, into this because, man, I start listening to these. So I'm, I'm, Jason will tell you, I study, okay? So if somebody's coming on, I go to their IG, I go to their website, I go to their Facebook. I just try to do the best stocking job I can do, right? And I listened to like three words and I turned it off like, we really got this man coming on here with this voice. And so, <laughs> so first I was there, I got over myself and I started just listening to your work. Uh, there was one thing that you did, uh, you know, where you, uh, from strange fruit, right? Billy Holiday, strange fruit. And, and, and you were just, you were coming at it at a time that, that our nation was just going through just, just unrest, racial unrest. I, I heard something else that you did and you were speaking to, um, I, oh, I can't remember the exact one, like the exact words you were using in it. Um, and everything I was just like, this is so deep. This is so, this is so like your heart and soul is on display, but then there's like other generations of people whose heart and soul are on display. I don't even know if that makes sense, but it was like generational pain you were describing. I was like, what is this? 
I mean, there's a reason why when you put something out, you went up the charts and then all of a sudden you were out on tour. It wasn't just luck. Like that was when you speak, you give voice to something that's bigger than you. Mm. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with words. Where did the spoken word and the poetry and where was all that birthed? And then like, what, what is that connection like for you? That's the best way I can say it is when I heard you speaking, I was like, you're not representing yourself when you speak. This mm. is bigger than you. Interesting. That's interesting. Well, where that was birth. Um, let's see. The first time I recall writing the poem, which now I think about it should have been a telltale sign, but at 10 years old, you know, you're not thinking about life as an adult, right. but we had a, a contest at my school. I went to um, a, a, a school called Bethlehem Christian School, Bethlehem Christian Academy. Mm -hmm. Had a school-wide competition. You could write a poem, an essay, short story, fiction, nonfiction, whatever you wanted to do, but you had to write something and submit it. I wrote a poem. Um, my mom may have it somewhere. I need to I need to ask her. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be worth something. <laughs> um, but I wrote it. And I got, I was awarded superior and that particular poem was published in some book that was published across the world. I have no idea where that is. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't think anything of it, but, but clearly um, I, I had a, a way with words enough to give me um, a superior prize in a school-wide and national competition at that point. Um, fast forward, I, I didn't write much after that. I only did that because I, I had to, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> But um, the next time I wrote, um, I took a creative writing class with Mr. Rock. I went to St. Peter Chanel High School. It's no longer, um, no longer a school. It tore down a few years ago. Um, but thank God I was there when I did. Uh, I met some amazing people that I'm still connected to to this day. And Mr. Rock in particular changed my my journey, my trajectory. Um, when I took his creative writing course, I took it just as a something to do elective trying to graduate uh <laughs> you know and um because i i was a very dedicated musician at that time i played drums i was a section leader of the marching band um i was in varsity band ever since i got to school from ninth grade on uh -huh. uh, and i wanted to continue that at like hbcu or uh -huh. something like that uh -huh. and, uh, so that, you that, was gonna be in that drum line what they used to call me nick cannon Literally, that, that was my name. <laughs> I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hold you. I was that guy on snare drum. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that's not hard to believe. I, yeah, I believe man. you. You good at everything you touch. You don't have to explain nothing to me and make convince me. <laughs> Honestly, but um, where was I at? So, yeah, high school, and at that point, um, I was just playing drums. But at at when I took the creative writing course with Mister Rock. And we started doing poetry and I could not stop writing. Mm. I could, I could literally could not stop. And I just took a particular interest in it and um, it just blossomed into something beautiful. I remember my first open mic, um, I went to the B-side lounge, mm -hmm. B-side liquor lounge mm -hmm. to be back <laughs> in Coventry in Cleveland Cleveland, Heights. Ohio. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to the hometown. And I was 16, 17. Mind you, it was a liquor lounge. You had to be 21 to get in. But they had a legendary open mic, and it's still running to this day. I think it's like 20 plus years in existence. Mm, called I know Lyrical. exactly where it is. Lyrical Rhythms. 
lyrical rhythms. And um, I had some mentors who I, I, I loved what they did. Q Nice, uh, B Host, Lee LC, True Poetry. And they were much older than me at the time. And I would just sneak in just to soak up the words and, and, and the wisdom and, and the wealth, you know, um, that I saw taking place on the mic. Now, mind you, I've looked like this. I've been this size since I was 16. <laughs> I've always been like a, a stocky guy. So for, for those of you who can't see him, he, lo he looks like your friendly neighborhood linebacker. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ray Lewis. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, so I, I just fell in love with words word play um i at one point i read the dictionary the thesaurus um maybe not like cover to cover mm -hmm. but I, I was about to say hold on and slow down oh, on that no 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 i i don't want to project that i was reading every single word in the dictionary but i did carry it with me but at that's, one point that's more than life. me because me i don't even accidentally hold mine so days. this is <laughs> pre-iTunes. True story. that, true that. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I, I, I've just always been that way when I play drums. You would never find me anywhere without a pair of sticks in my back pocket. So anytime I sat down, I was working on rudiments. And when I transitioned into writing, when I had to make that decision, same way, I had a notepad or my computer or a dictionary at the stores with me. I was all, I just always laser focused on something. And um, thank God, you know, it it's paying off. I almost said paid off, but it's paying off. It's getting to where it needs to get to. And um, yeah, so my, my relationship with words goes back to quite a while. But truly, I, I knew that I wanted to do words and be a poet specifically um, when I was about 17, 18. Um, I saw a poet at the B-side where I attended my first open mic and performed for the first time by the name of 13 of Nazareth. He's a poet out of, I want to say, North Carolina. But I heard this brother live and I looked, I was just like, that's, that's what I want to do. I don't want to do nothing else. I want to do exactly what he's doing. When people hear you, when they pe hear you do your poetry, when they hear you do your spoken word, how do they describe their relationship with your words or their relationship with your performance? Uh, similar to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was me making, that was a flex. I was making sure I... <laughs> I knew what I was talking about. What did they say? Because I because I think this is important. It's it's important. There's a story behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, people always tell me it is deep. Like I offered a perspective that they didn't um, think about before they heard my perspective on a said subject, you know, matter. Mm -hmm. um, and I think where my brand kind of distinguishes itself. I kind of see myself as, as a human. It's kind of like a bridge between people That's and it. lifestyles and barriers, right? That's so it. That's it. Um, I think, like you said, you said this, matter of fact, you was like, it's bigger than you. Mm -hmm. It's more than like you speaking from your generation. It's like multi-generations rolling mm -hmm. up. And I think that's just a part of who I am. I have a way of um, relating with youth. I just did some... Um, Masterclass, creative writing masterclass at Cleveland School of the Arts just last week. But I also have um in friend groups with people who are 15, 30 years older than me. One of my is in his 50s. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so I have a way of um making what I need to say or what I feel needs to be expressed on a said subject palatable 
to people from different walks of life, um, religious lifestyle, sexual orientation, um, age, and, and people tune in. And I, I don't take, I try not to take that for granted because I know um, not everybody has whatever that thing is. Not everybody is received the way that I am received. Uh, glory to God. That's I, it. I, that's, that's it. Because again, that goes back to that kind of, it's an anointing, right? Um, <clears throat> because think about how that's why you're a curator, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you have an understanding of how to speak to literally mm. different ages, different mm. races, different backgrounds, all the different areas of the surrounding area that you're putting and the people who are going to go travel. Like there's, that can't be taught. It, 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 it's something that maybe a person can, can fine tune and hone over time, but it don't sound, I'm not saying you don't work hard. I'm saying there's, there's like a level in you that another person can't just work to get. <laughs> and that's, that's clear to me. Um, when I, when I just, just, just to see you, just to hear you, just to analyze you, it's like, wow, there's something special here. Um, and so you, you told us that, you know, that, that the journey that actually got you to this place now, that some of your time on stage and some of your time actually is what bridged you into this season. So, so tell us a little bit about that and, and what's the goal for you? Like, what is it, what is it that you believe you want to do in this season of your life accomplish? Like what, what's left for you? Obviously you're young. Um, so you got all this time to leave a mark outside of being a father and, and raising, you know, your children and all that. Yeah. You asked some heavy questions, my brother. Kudos. <laughs> I, I tried to warn you. I, I tried. Um, so let's let's start with what got me to this particular point, um, this juncture, um, my current job. So it almost didn't happen. Mm. Let's just start a story like that. It almost didn't happen. Mm. Um, a, a great friend of mine by the name of Chris Coles, um, a beautiful composer and saxophonist. Oh, I know Chris Coles, yeah, very talented. Yes. That's my guy. Mm -hmm. That's my guy. So that means you're super good people now. <laughs> but Chris is my guy, and um, we worked together on um, plenty of projects and several live engagements, things like that. He hit me up. He had a gig at Rubber City Jazz Fest in Akron. He's like, hey, bro, I'd love for you to write um, something to this particular piece. Um, he sent it to me. The track itself was amazing. I've never heard Chris play a note that wasn't just great. Absolutely. Right? worried about that but then he told me the theme what he wanted me to write about and i was like hmm whoo okay and it wasn't nothing like crazy like off brand or anything but it was simply about anime mm. and I, i'm not an anime i'm not that guy mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i understand exactly what that means because neither am i i know exactly what you mean i haven't been able to get into it i know a lot of black men who are into anime. 100 percent, and i'm not one of them me <laughs> Right. So when we talked about it, I wrote I wrote my first pass. I took my first pass at it. He was like, yo, this is great. He was like, but I was like, and no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even say no. He was like, it'll work. But when I don't get like a emphatic 100 percent like, yo, bro, this is it. Scrap it. We're scrapping hey, that. Yeah, we're scrapping it. <laughs> I need you to be in love with it. First. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I went back to the drawing board and he kind of, we talked further about it. He told me it was kind of about like fatherhood and um, he gave me the story of the anime characters and stuff like that. I thought, okay, maybe I can zero in on this from that, from that perspective. 
like, you know, a manhood perspective. And I did, but I almost was, I almost told him like, bro, I might not be your guy. I might not be the writer. For I'm like I said, how I'd be open to being wrong. I'd be open to just passing gigs along too. I'm known to be like, I've never been adopted. So Fox had contacted me to talk about being in, uh, um, talking about children in the orphanage and things like that. I'm like, that's not my life. That's not my lived experience. I know somebody passed. She was nominated for Emmy. Mm. So I'm about giving up. I don't like to hoard, <laughs> you know, right, right. I don't feel out for me. So I say all that to say, I move forward. We got to the point in the place in the composition to where we both enjoy what, what it was. Mm-hmm. Went to Akron, performed one piece got off stage and normally I would have rushed back home to get to my wife and relieve her from her duties and responsibilities with the kids. But some was like, yo, oh, just slow take down. a beat. Just slow down. Slow down. All my homies was there from Akron and Cleveland. So I just wanted to catch up with everybody and everything, right? So I did that. So I stayed after the gig. I hung around right for another like hour and a half, two hours, just kicking it. And lo and behold, this black woman walks in the door with um, a COVID mask on, N95 mask, micro braids up. The room was dark because we were like in a bar, you know, jazz lounge or whatever. She walks up to me, she's like, yo, she's like, I heard you perform with Chris Coles. I really enjoyed your poetry, beautiful work. Thank you, I, I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate that. She was like, um, here's a flyer to the Pittsburgh International Jazz Fest. She was like, come through your artist. You don't have to worry about admission. It's on me. Mm. Like, oh, like, where? She's like, yeah, will you come? I was like, if it's free, yeah, I'll, pull up. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> free jazz music. Right. You know, that's my thing. And um, something I feel like had to be the Holy Ghost, man. It was a divine moment. Mm. Something was like, tell her what you do. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Because she saw me in that aspect as a as a poet, as a performer. Mm-hmm. But when she offered me the opportunity to come to her festival, which I didn't know was her festival, mm-hmm. I just thought she was like a street team marketing mm-hmm. person. Turns out she's the president and CEO of the organization I work at, who happened to be in the audience when I was performing with Chris Coles. So, but before I knew all that, I was like, well, I appreciate you offering me the opportunity to come to your festival. I'll have to return the favor in June for my festival at Tri-C Jazz Fest associate director there for about three years now. I work alongside Terry Potrim. She's like, oh, I know Terry. She's like, we go way back. I know Terry. And she's like, what do you do? So I told her a little bit more job description and everything. She was like, I actually need you with me in Pittsburgh. I was like, oh, oh, okay. I had no plans on leaving my current job situation where everything, it was a lot happening there. Um, things were developing. We were working on projects and everything there. So it really didn't seem like the right time per se, but the way that conversation unfolded and the timing, how I would have missed that opportunity if I would have rushed back home, mm-hmm. I would have missed the opportunity if I didn't take that gig with Chris, mm-hmm. I wouldn't probably have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So the way that unfolded, it just felt, it felt way too divine to pass up. And um, we, we talked probably for another 30 minutes or so. And she was like, I want to connect you with my consultant, set up an interview, and, and that, w- that was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. Unbelievable. So yeah. you you allowed yourself to to face something uncomfortable. To, to, Very 
<laughs> right? And then and then there's that whole part where you follow the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you follow that that thing on the inside of you that was saying, I don't know why, but we probably just should just uh man. Yeah. This has been um this has been special. I, I, I don't know how you feel about this interview, uh, oh, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, because, because what you have been sharing has been, it's, you're telling the story of freedom, you're telling stories of courage, and at the same time, you're telling stories of humility. And mm-hmm. I think that, that as, as men and as people, um, we need to hear these stories of, I don't even know how this happened. I'm not just about to flex and tell everybody I got this position because of how tall... I didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what was happening. But you know what? Thank God. Right. Yeah. And so this is this has been um, for me great. So I want to I want to start to wind things up a little bit. I'm looking at the clock and I, I think that um, there's a couple of places I want to go still before we before we we cool. part today. Um, <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out did I want to ask you the one question here's I do want to ask you this one. <laughs> he's so scared he's so scared you should be um you should you should be you should be um no this has to do with fatherhood this has to mm-hmm. do with fatherhood I, I had a moment um yesterday where i was spending time with my kids and there's this thing where man when my when my son looks at me the right way like my heart really does melt it is like it's crazy it's crazy crazy uh there's moments where my daughter comes up to give me a hug to comfort me when she sees that like i'm in a place um, and I can tell that like your kids have done something to you. What is the something? In short, changed me hundred percent. I, I guess in a way, in theory, I always wanted kids, mm. but I was never pressed to like, I was never that guy. Like, yeah. Oh, I got to have it. It happened. It happened. When it happened. It happened. Right. Right. I got, I got a beautiful wife and we we produce um you know some some amazing kids but i i can't pinpoint what exactly it is but i will tell you this i vividly remember my, my first boy my son maxwell he just turned three um last month mm-hmm. and i remember um being in the doctor's office uh, when they were doing ultrasound on my wife and i don't know what it what it was maurice but when I saw like them scan over her tummy mm-hmm. and I saw him on that screen, mm-hmm. I broke down into I feel like at that moment something clicked in me. It was like, all right, we gotta go. Clicking like mm. clicking the gear. I remember that moment vividly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that stuff like really started to like change as far as like preparation mentally, spiritually, and things like that. I really just wanted to like get stuff in order, like then to um better establish a life for him than what I had bad life you know but i feel like i'm his parents you always want your kids to take it up a nice level up so i wanted to prepare myself accordingly now um you know my daughter comes along um and that's a whole different ball game you know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i already know rap bro right rap. right <laughs> as in wrapped around her little finger wrapped yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And both of my kids are beautiful and in their own way. My son is uh, was recently diagnosed with autism mm. and a, a very beautiful experience. Mm. My son, we have a very similar personality. He's real chill, low key. 
Um, but just, you know, um, learning about autism and exploring that world and going to the therapies, it's been very eye open. And my wife has been a true champion on that. And my daughter, completely different personalities. And like, what's sweet about her is like, every time I get home from a gig or work, she runs to the, the stairs to greet me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I could cry, man. I just be wanting to melt, bro. Right. Like, up, you know, but your parenthood, fatherhood, I will say, um, it's special and it's necessary. And I can't, at this point, I can't imagine my life not having kids. You know, I almost don't know what I was doing before. <laughs> you know, what was I spending my time doing? What right. Was, you know, so, um, but I, I don't want to romanticize or, you know, uh, you know, uh, fantasize um parenthood is tough for those mm-hmm. of you who don't have kids <laughs> you know mm-hmm. consider the cost and it's cost that you really can't consider until they get here sure you know can. what I'm saying? but yeah. it's just things that's gonna happen is unexpected um you know trials and tribulations expenses so on and so forth um but it's a beautiful 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 experience i wouldn't trade wouldn't trade for the world true so. Well, I'm quite sure that your your kids also and your wife would not trade you for the world. Uh, and, and and one thing I know for sure is that uh, the listeners of this mm-hmm. show would not have traded this experience because um, you have blessed us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have uh, well the sec the very last question will just be about your social media, but you won't like me for this question. This is one though that I'm asking every person who comes on the show, um, and so I want you to picture. Uh, that that there is uh, there is a museum that exists a hundred years from now, mm. and people go into this museum and they're learning about culture and they're learning about all the things that that mm. happen in this this age and era of time, and they they get to a room full of time capsules and in this room it's a room marked hope. They get to your time capsule and there's there's some drumsticks there and there's some some papers with with your lyrics written down and there's there's some set lists and some schedules of some events you've curated and then there is a video with this clip. And and this is the moment where you get a chance to tell someone a hundred years from now whatever it is that you have to share with them about hope. What do you have to say to them? Well, that's easy. I would say stay the course. That's it. If if you see it in your mind's eye and you believe that you have the, the talent and the time to dedicate to a particular thing, do not let up off the gas. You may have to pivot, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, adjust some things. Some things have to die uh, mentally, emotionally. Um, you know, what you're latched onto spiritually, whatever, for, for new things to be birthed, as Marie said, but just stick to the game plan, stick to the vision, stick to it, just work, 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 put the time in. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done 10,000 hours 10 times. Mm. Um, so if you want to be great at a thing, if you want to master a thing, really take that thing seriously, dig into it, get to know who's who that has allowed you to stand on their shoulders to do what you envision yourself doing. And then some, and then some, because I feel like each generation, like I was talking about parenting, each generation is responsible to build and build and build on those shoulders to create opportunity for 
future generations behind us a hundred years from now like we're talking about it. so um, that's my thing just just keep going because i know i know a lot of amazing writers and, and poets who were better than me at a particular time but they stopped mm. and, and i don't know what they're doing or where they at you know so um they stopped and i think that's that's a distinguishing factor just stick stick to the thing and you may have to adjust some things but stick to the the main the root cause the you feel called and and led and prepared or anointed to do stick to it and mm. it'll work, it'll work itself out. stick to it you guys heard it here first stick to it um somebody wants to now stick with you because you have just blessed them inspired them uh, motivated them uh, so what is the best way for everybody to find you and is there anything you want to plug that you have coming up Ooh, best way to find me probably Instagram for real Instagram or Facebook Orlando Watson on uh, Facebook on Twitter Instagram you can follow and find me at lingo underscore Lando L-A-N-D-O and uh, so link in my bio which will take you to my website booking form if you want to book me <laughs> there it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah my music videos YouTube channel everything could be linked through my Instagram so Please connect with me. Send me a message. Let me know that you heard me here first for the first time. I hope Rosalind and Maurice Martin. And um, only thing I want to plug, man, just, just keep your eyes off of what I have in store. I post a lot of pictures and keep people abreast on what, what's going on, what's coming up. Um, Pittsburgh International Jazz Fest taking place September 14th through the 17th. And y'all are the first to hear it here. But I'll let you in on who's coming. Uh-oh. We got uh, just a few names. I'm just gonna drop a few names. Go ahead, got, drop a few names. We got PJ Morton coming. Okay. We got Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis coming. What? Yeah, I ain't playing. Yeah, I ain't that playing. ain't real unless they can bring Janet though. I, I ain't playing with it's y'all. It's not real unless they can bring Janet though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they bringing a special guest. And I don't know. You don't. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. They gonna be there. That's something else. Look, you you might you might you might get be in this for a surprise. Yeah, um, Harold. We got Gregory Porter, Kurt Elling. Um, the list goes on. The list goes on. Let's Some go. more. Pender Hughes, Madison McFerrin, who was the daughter of the the great Bobby McFerrin. Wow, she's coming. So we have a lot of interesting artists coming to the Pittsburgh International Jazz Fest, taking place September fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. And we even have a train. If you're not in Pittsburgh and you want to attend, we have an Amtrak train picking people up from New York, New Jersey, and Philly to come to Pittsburgh. Wow. Boy, find me on social media. Tickets go on sale May 8th. Beautiful. I love it. So May 8th, which which will be, uh, it probably, May 8th is probably just past uh, whenever you guys are hearing this, uh, this episode. So uh, go find him, go get your tickets, uh, go support, um, and then just support this man in general. Um, you guys hear it. He's, we, we've only began to scratch the surface with all the things that he's done. And if you didn't catch it, he, he's barely 30. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a, he's got a bright and beautiful future uh, in the works, and and I'm so thankful to all of you guys here today. Um, I'm thankful for the future that I believe you all have because we are starting to do this work together. Um, I want to encourage you guys. Uh, would you just leave some comments? How did this speak to you today? How did it inspire you? How did it motivate you today? And then I want to encourage you. Would you subscribe uh, to the podcast if you're listening on YouTube? If you're listening anywhere else, please make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a family.
family member, let's make sure you help spread the word. Uh, also, I want to make sure I give a shout out um, to my show sponsor, Everyone Wins Together Productions. Everyone Wins Together is a media production company whose mission is to curate content for the creator and produce experiences in music media, and live production. Email jason at ewtproductions.com to get started with your podcast, music for your digital content, or development for your music and production teams in your ministry. And then go ahead, guys, and just go find him. Go find Jason. If you guys haven't caught it, it's Jason, the producer of this show. He is at EWT Productions on social media. Go find him, hit him up, ask him questions, uh, book him for whatever you got going on. He will hold you down um, and he will take you to another level. So make sure you guys go find him. Uh, and, and and we look forward uh, to you finding us next week on our next episode of Hope Rising, where those who inspire goes for inspiration and the unfulfilled go to find fulfillment we'll see you guys later